Listening to the United States of Oklahoma with Josh Delaney. I am Delaney, podcasting on live from the corner of Maine and Robinson in downtown Oklahoma City. One program note: I have been late on uh, posting some podcasts the last couple of weeks. I've been on assignment in uh, southeast Oklahoma, I think is where I was at, and then after that, I covered a trial. Um, you can read all about those things on uh, Oklahoman.com. Keyword: the old Delaney there, and uh, you'll be straight. And in front of me, to my to my front, is that how it? To my front, <laughs> in uh, ahead of me, uh, I'm excited about uh, this one because this lady uh, heads up a wonderful program in the metro area. Uh, she is the executive director of uh, the nonprofit Remerge, and we're going to get into what Remerge is. Uh, they can be found at Remerge. OK.org. Is that right? That's correct. All right. We have uh, Terry Woodland is here. What's up, uh, lady? How's it going? Hi, Josh. Thanks for having me. Can I say lady or is that Sure. I think that's okay. All right. You know, everybody's sensitive these days. Okay. Ma'am. Yeah. (laughs) Ma'am. Lady's good. Yeah. Um, So you head up this program called Remerge, and rather than, well, I'm spittling everywhere, rather than me describing everything, uh, what is this program and how long has it been around? So Remerge is a female diversion program, and what that means is that we keep women with children out of prison, so we provide an alternative to incarceration. Um, We are eight years old this uh, September, September 2019, we are eight years old, so been serving women and families in Oklahoma County for eight years. Um, As you know, probably, and many of your readers and listeners know, um, Oklahoma incarcerates more men and women. We are the number one incarcerator um, in the world. Um, I think that's um, uh, something we all should know and be concerned about because, uh, well, it sets the landscape, I think, for our state in many other areas. So that's what Remerge is, yeah. Yeah. Why do we incarcerate so many people here? Why? Mm. Yeah. It's a complicated question, um, but I think basically our laws are stricter. Um, we have for many, many years um, taken the philosophy that um, we're going to be tough on crime instead of smart on crime. So, um, for example, um, an amount of, of marijuana, let's say, um, or meth in Oklahoma um, would be considered a um, possession and and distribution, whereas if you were in Kansas or another even neighboring state, it might only be a simple possession charge. So um, in Oklahoma would result in a much higher sentence and a much um, you know stricter penalty. So I think that's one of the main reasons. Um, it's a complicated issue we need really serious criminal justice reform in our state yeah yeah how many women have uh, come through the program hmm so we have um, 122 graduates that have completed the program Uh, we have another graduation this coming thursday october 10th at the oklahoma history center i would invite everyone who um, is available to come out and and attend one of our graduations they're uplifting and uh, motivating and um, they're just a real celebration for all the work that these ladies have done to complete the program because it's not easy Um, it's about a year and a half to two years long huge commitment on their part Um, they have to literally not be with their children the first three months of the program because Mm -hmm. we want them to uh, learn some recovery skills and be more stable before they get their children um, in the home with them. Um, so they, have, they work really hard. They are, um, I always like to say we are the host, but they are the heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, because if they don't do the work, it doesn't matter what kind of program we offer. Yeah. Um, it's not, it's not going to work. So yeah, um, yeah 122 women uh, graduated, uh, impacting 310 minor children. Wow. So our Good goal, stuff. yeah, our goal is to break that cycle 
that we see so many times. A lot of our women in the program have a parent or both parents that have been incarcerated. And so we see that cycle continuing. And to be the number one incarcerator in the world, that's a cycle we have to we have to interrupt and break. Yeah. Who's uh, keynoting this year's uh, or this this uh, graduation? Um, I know you had one a few months ago, right? Right. Yeah. Brad Williams is the um, director at OSU OKC. Okay. And yeah. so he's going to be our keynote speaker. We've oh, nice. uh, they're great partners mm-hmm. with us. Um, uh, they give scholarships to our mothers they do free classes they and today in fact the women are over at osu okc touring the campus and learning about college courses and really um breaking down some of those barriers or beliefs that they might have held about about mm. can i go to college can i be successful so yeah, yeah. they're great partners yeah of ours uh the women that come into the program where are they uh I guess along the addiction line or, or uh, even how often they've been in or out of uh, jail. I mean, is this a program where how close to rock bottom do they need to be or could they have like a minor drug habit and they just want some help? I mean, where what, mm-hmm. what, what types of people get, get into the program? That's a really good question. We are designed f- to serve high-risk, high-need mothers. So um, all of our mothers are facing time in prison and this typically is not their first encounter with uh, law enforcement. They've had maybe other charges, other misdemeanors. Some of them actually have served time in prison prior to getting into remarge. Um, so they are—they really need a lot of services. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because if we don't assess properly and place individuals in the correct program based on their risk and their needs, then it's actually counterproductive. Mm. We can do more harm than good, which is what happens in our prisons. When we send someone who is a nonviolent offender to prison for a year or, you know, two years, they actually come out worse than than when they entered the system. Yeah. So we ha- it's really important that we do a, a good job to assess and place people in the right program. It's also important, while I love to talk about reemerge and could <laughs> do that, um, for a really long time, we I think we are an amazing uh, program, but it's also important to recognize that in our community we need an array of diversion programs. Mm-hmm. Not everyone needs remarch. Not everyone needs the intensive services that we offer. They may just need some education or some information. They may do really great in drug court um, or mental health court. Um, mm. So um, we have a need for just an array of diversion programs yeah. in, in our community. I was going to say, uh, it would seem like, I was actually thinking about that uh, before you came in, uh, for lack of a better term, if somebody didn't qualify for remerge, but they reached out to you guys, uh, would you be able to direct them to mm-hmm. those other programs? Yes, we, we can. We work really closely with the public defender's office, the district attorney's office here in Oklahoma County. Um, to make sure that um, anyone reaching out for for help is connected with an, an appropriate program, mm-hmm. so that they can get the help that they need. Yeah, everybody always wants to know what's the uh, recidivism uh, rate. How many people end up having having to come back or mm-hmm. fall off or don't make it? Or right. So as I mentioned earlier, we've been doing this for eight years now, and one of the things that we wanted to do early on was really track. Um, this uh, the outcomes in this program to see if what we were doing was actually being effective. The lowest uh, recidivism rate that the Department of Corrections reports is 13%. Our current recidivism rate is 6%. Mm. Okay. So uh, while we have a small sample, 122 yep. women, I think we are proving that what we're doing is, is working. And yeah. we're identifying those mothers, those families that really need our support, and we're providing good quality services, and and it's, you know, the outcomes prove that, I think. Yeah. What does the program look like? My understanding is there's four phases. Correct. And this is not something you can fake your way through nope. and uh, try, to, <laughs> try to graduate really qu- quick, right? right? No. Yeah. Uh, we get to know these, these mothers. We really mm-hmm. – um, it's about a year and a half to two years long. It is four phases. The first phase is very intensive. It's supervised 24-7. They live in sober living uh, uh, housing. Um, and 
as they progress through the program and they demonstrate that they are um, um, living in recovery, learning some skills, then that supervision is lessened and they are able to be more independent out in the community. Um, Eventually, when they graduate, we want them employed. Um, Employment is the number one predictor of recidivism, so it's really important that we uh, find, you know, meaningful um, living wage jobs for our women. We have a, you know, this community is amazing. Um, We have a great need in our community for a lot of things, but really everyone steps up. We have a huge uh, list of employers in our community who hire our women, uh, call us when they have a job opening. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's that's been a real asset. Yeah. yeah. What uh, – you mentioned sober living homes. I'm always curious about this. Um, are a lot of those places shady? Not ones connected with you guys, but <laughs> what do uh, – what do people need to look for if they're going to get into a sober living home? What are some of the red flags or green lights? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we partner with amazing uh, sober living uh, housing uh, opportunities here in the community. Um, Oxford House is yes. one of our uh, great partners. Hope House, um, Neighborhood Services Organization. Um, I would say look for, if I were, um, you know, kind of, Helping someone navigate that, I would try to look for uh, housing that's connected to other organizations because I think those wraparound services are important. Um, you know, most of the sober living housing uh, that we partner with interview the ladies and kind of find out what they're looking for. And I think you know to, to also say to someone who's looking, you you can do the interview as well. You know, what are you looking for? Um, ask questions about you know how successful they've been, what are the rules, um, what are the support uh, mechanisms, and then if it doesn't work, fi- you know find s- another place because we do know that that they're not all um, the same, and we yeah. you know they are helping people really struggling with um, you know some of uh, well well the addiction, um, sometimes mental health and addiction, so. From time to time, there will be um, folks in those houses that aren't doing real well. So, hmm. what uh, what does your wait list look like to get into Remerge? We currently probably have about eight or ten women on our wait list, um, which is good. We don't want too many waiting yeah. forever, um, and because we um, are such a long program, if someone sits on our wait list several months waiting to get in, that's not the best. Um, use of their time, um, so we uh, we like for it to be ten and under. You know that's a pretty manageable number, um, and you know if it looks like they're going to sit there much longer on the wait list, we'll get them into another program that's perhaps um, going to meet their needs. Mm-hmm. What kind of uh, professionals will they uh, encounter in terms of I don't know counselors, doctors, that kind of a thing? Mm-hmm. We uh, started really collaboratively. We partnered with uh, the United Way of Central Oklahoma, convened a group of about 25 nonprofits um, to start this program. So we sat around a table for six months and really decided, you know, what services do we offer? What, um, who do we want to partner with? What's important when you treat um, these uh, families, when you provide the services that they need? So. Um, still partnering with many of those organizations. Um, Counselors, licensed therapists, um, they're available to see our women. Uh, We partner with NorthCare. We partner with Sunbeam Family Services. We also have three uh, therapists on our own staff that work uh, daily with the women. Um, We have uh, case managers that help them navigate basic needs, get their ID, find housing, um, find employment. We have an education employment coordinator. Um, yeah, just an array of, of professionals that, you know, one of the uh, professionals that I always like to talk about, because I think this does make us a little bit unique in Oklahoma, the Department of Mental Health has certified a, a position called a peer recovery support specialist. And so if you are in recovery and you've walked that walk, um, you are uh, much more qualified in, in many ways to also help other people 
um, take that journey. So we hire peer recovery support specialists who have been trained and certified um, who are living in recovery. And many times we hire our own graduates for this <laughs> position, which is really um, pretty awesome that we are able to do that. Um, so these individuals um, help every day with, with the women in the program, help them learn to advocate for themselves, talk to them about setbacks, about relapses, and about the recovery journey, mm-hmm. you know, how important it is to stay connected to recovery, um, a recovery program of some kind once you get out of, of Remerge. So they're an invaluable part of, of what we provide. Yeah. What would people be surprised by in terms of, uh, I don't know, basic things that some of these women uh, don't know how to do uh, that we might take for granted? Um, I'm thinking in terms of how to, you know, how to write a check. And I can't talk because I haven't renewed my checks in months. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it I'm a varies. Card guy. <laughs> <laughs> it really varies. They, uh, many of them, have never had a checking account. Mm-hmm. Some of them have been driving, but they've never had a driver's license, you know, a legal driver's license. Some of them, um, on the other hand, have gone to college, have had a driver's license, have had great jobs. (laughs) So it really just, it is really, it varies. Um, And so we meet them where they are when they come into the program. We do a really thorough assessment to find out, you know, what is your history? What's your story? Where have you where have you been? You know, where do you want to go? Mm-hmm. Um, so it really is, is different for every every family. Now, those ladies that come in there and they've got their highfalutin college degrees and they've been on top of the corporate world, uh, what do they think about their lot in life when they land in there? You know, <laughs> most women when they come to us are uh, pretty ready for some for some help, yeah. regardless of where they've been or what their story is, you mm-hmm. know, regardless of their socioeconomic background, regardless of their educational background, if they are facing prison time, they've they've been in the system for a while and they're they know that they're struggling. Yeah, and so most of them come to us ready for some some help, ready for change. Our completion rate is about seven out of ten. Mm. So really good. It's pretty good. Um, I'd like for it to be 10 out of 10, yeah. but that's probably not real ex- realistic. Um, you know, some people get ready at different yeah. places in their life. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Has anybody, uh, any graduate gotten a remerge tattoo? I don't know why I thought of that. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Do you um, have maybe one? Maybe <laughs> we should start. I have. No, I don't have a, a remerge tattoo, no. But uh, um, they some of our ladies like to get tattoos for yeah. sure and yeah. uh you know when we started it's kind of funny an aside here but we um that was eight years ago and a lot has changed in in eight years in terms of people being very much more willing to be accepting of tattoos mm-hmm. and body piercings and so we've yeah. lightened our um <laughs> restrictions a little I bit um yeah. yeah but eight years it's there's you know, people have different viewpoints than they used to. Yeah. We talk to them about practical things like what, you know, if you're going to get a tattoo, think about what an employer might think or think about, mm-hmm. you know, what kind of field of work do you want to go into and is that going to be a barrier when you um, do something like a body piercing or a tattoo. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, we try to, you know, allow some individuality while also helping them think about the, the real consequences of their actions. Yeah. Is there a, a common thread uh, in terms of how they got on the path they're on that, that leads them to reemerge uh, the, the starting of, of the addiction. Uh, is there any common thread and, and does it involve men? <laughs> <laughs> That's a very leading question. <laughs> we'll get to the men thing in a minute. <laughs> is there so, a common thread though? Yes, there is a common thread. There are probably more than one, but the one that comes to mind first is that family history yeah. of addiction and um, alcoholism, um, sometimes mental health and addiction combined. Also, history of in the family of, of being involved in the criminal justice system. Mm. You know, maybe mom or dad or both have served time in prison, um, have been involved somehow with the legal system. Um, and then you mentioned men. I mean, certainly that, you know, we know women 
um, enter the criminal justice system very differently than men, and the pathways that that they um, the pathways that get them involved in the criminal justice system um, involve relationships many times, unhealthy relationships, and they get involved with unhealthy men. Um, you know, for a variety of reasons, that's all they know. They sometimes rely on an unhealthy partner relationship for um, helping pay rent and bills and, and feed their family. Um, and, and that ends up getting them many times involved in, in activities that are illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. those would be the, the common, kind of the common things yeah. that we see. Yeah. Do they get uh, is there any type of counseling as far as relationships go? Uh, particularly with men. I mean, I know people identify, uh, you know, there's different orientations and identities and stuff like that. But in particular with relationships with men, do they get some kind of counseling on what mm-hmm. to look out for or what their patterns are, what the women's patterns are and who they seem to mm-hmm. get drawn to and that kind of a thing? Right. Well, there definitely. We focus on that in many of our classes. Um, if, if, our, if our mothers have a history of domestic violence in their uh, past or even in their family of origin, we offer, we partner with the YWCA when we offer domestic violence education and classes and, 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 and help them look out for signs and, you know, red flags and um, help them see that connection between being in an unhealthy relationship, you know, the impact that could have on them, them as well as their children and that cycle. So yeah. we really, um, again, Everyone does the education class because I think it's beneficial for everyone. But but if there's history or if there's um, if there's a need, we also offer the the, tri- the the treatment classes as well. Yeah, when they uh, when they get out um, and and they they might have been in, a, in an abusive relationship or just some kind of toxic environment. Is do do you help them locate to an area where they can? Uh, live away from that uh environment i don't want to i don't want to make it sound like a witness protection program <laughs> but uh, uh protective custody uh out, outside somewhere so what we do even in the program is to really help help them identify you know neighborhoods um groups of friends um maybe even sometimes work environments that are not healthy for them you know what what would that look like where you if you were to go back to that neighborhood what would it look like if you were to you know have a similar job um, that got you in in trouble before um, wh- wh- around people who are using or involved in in the criminal justice system so we we talk about that we we um, um, have you know classes and discussions about those those things and how they can make choices you know, after they leave us even to to avoid those kinds of relationships and, and neighborhoods and, and old people, places, and things that, that have, mm-hmm. have resulted in trouble for them in the past. Mm. Do they, uh, generally speaking, do the women have any sense of uh, how many people in their lives that genuinely care about them and want to see them succeed – uh, versus how many of them think the you know the world's against them? Everybody thinks they're a loser, that kind of a thing. Because I, I think it's f- for folks that are watching people go through addiction. You know, we have to set our own boundaries and our own limits and things like that. And it's frustrating because we genuinely care for that person and do want to see them do well. Is that something that they don't grasp? That that people are rooting for them, they are cheering for them, and it's not some selfish thing. It's just we want you to do well. Or do mm-hmm. they think, oh God, I've screwed everything up and everybody hates me? Mm-hmm. That's a lot of a question there, Josh. Yeah. I'm going to focus a little bit on support system because I think it's really important that we help our um, the ladies that enter the Remerge program really to really identify, you know, who is your yes, who yeah. who are your cheerleaders, cheerleaders, who's out there rooting for you, who wants the best for you, um, how are they behaving? Are they also doing, um, you know, participating in a legal activity, which, you know, they may be saying the right thing, but if they're if they're also breaking the law, then maybe that's not a real healthy person for you to be around. You know, one of the things that we do that the ladies don't approve of at all in the beginning is we uh, 
we we don't allow them to be around anyone unless we've approved that person. So we literally have support approval mm-hmm. um, once a month where uh, after they've been with us for 30 days, they can ask their friends, their uh, family members to come in, learn about the program, learn about the rules, and, and literally get approved to spend time with them. Mm-hmm. Um, we hope what that translates to is their ability to also do that for themselves in the future. Mm-hmm. We do background checks on individuals. Of course, they're, um, they're under a DOC supervision while they're with us, so they're not allowed to be around anyone with a felony conviction. Mm-hmm. Um, so we hope that the, that, that models how, how do I select mm-hmm. my support system. You know, is that important? Can I do that for myself and my family in the future? Yeah. So yeah. it's really important. And as you know, addiction is hurts not just the individual yeah. uh, family and children and and loved ones are impacted by by this illness as well this disease so um, it's important to um, sometimes give family members time to come around they've been um, disappointed and they've gotten their hopes up many times before and yeah. nothing's happened so we encourage our mo- our mothers to, to give them give them time you know mm-hmm. give them time to see that you're doing well and that you're going to be serious yeah this time about your recovery and sobriety mm-hmm. so uh a woman graduates uh, it's celebratory and uh well six months later uh you know goes back to the old way uh how do you how do you find out about that are you guys spying on people or <laughs> and uh, what, what kind of leads to that and then mm-hmm. how do you feel personally about that you know having invested in this person and then you mm-hmm. see the, the the hiccup the bump right. in the road <laughs> so we offer a monthly support group meeting for all of our graduates um, it includes a, a family meal we f- offer free child care and it really it's just a way for them to stay connected to their sisters in recovery to, to stay connected to remarch quite frankly um, some of our graduates um, we never hear from again mm. you know they they're and they move on uh, but we we have contact with over half of our graduates mm-hmm. on a regular basis mm. um, so if they get in trouble we let them know throughout the program we're always here for you we will be no matter what you know come and ask for help um, just this past week, we had a, one of our graduates come in, um, re- recent relapse, um, having trouble paying her rent, lost her job, and you know we're we're willing to. If they're demonstrating getting back on track and getting back in recovery, we're willing to support them, connect them with resources. Um, a lot of times, other graduates will will reach out to us and say hey so and so's in trouble Mm. you know or they'll reach out and support each other Mm -hmm. so we want it to be a continual uh, family of support uh, no matter um, you know some people say that relapse is a a part of recovery Um, I don't necessarily believe that but I do believe that recovery is an ongoing process where you have to really work a program and if you're not working a program it's it's likely that you're going to slip up and get in trouble yeah so but we always want to be there we know that addiction is a lifelong journey that um, you're never really um, cured if you will of that uh, uh, disease but you can learn to live in recovery and be um, you know clean and sober and yeah and um, be successful yeah now, if there's a relapse, does that mean they get to go back into remerge and start from phase one, or is it once you've graduated, we mm-hmm. we're gonna we can't let we're not gonna have you go through the whole thing again, but we're gonna provide some support as, as you just mentioned. Right. It's is, the, there, is there a round two? <laughs> n- no, not with us. Yeah. So um, we we continue to support them, but we have not allowed members to come back through our program yeah. again. Um, you've got people waiting in line. We do, you know, for the first chance. For their shot. Yeah, Yeah, for their shot. So we don't really have the resources to be able to do that. What we can do is hook them up with other resources, other programs, encourage them to to work a recovery program. Mm -hmm. Um, While the women are are with us, we require them to work a recovery program in the community. So AA, NA, Celebrate Recovery, whatever fits their 
um, their comfort level, but mm-hmm. hoping that that again translates to uh, continued uh, work in the community after they leave us. Yeah. In the program, uh, can they go to how well, I guess, how early could they? go to uh, a, a religious service or their church or, mm-hmm. or that kind of thing. Do you guys have chaplains either? Or? Mm-hmm. So we uh, we aren't a faith-based program, yeah. but we do, rec- we do really encourage all of our mothers to become involved in, in whatever um, spiritual journey that, that they are comfortable with. And so mm-hmm. they actually can go to, to um, church services, really early if they're living in our um, sober living housing we have uh, clergy we have members of of local churches who come and and sort of mentor our women and and take them to church and mm-hmm. uh, we partner with um um now i'm blocking on the name um stand in the gap okay is an amazing uh program that we we partner with and those those women walk alongside our our mothers and and help them uh, you know get connected with the spiritual uh community mm-hmm. so that's very helpful yeah. yeah now how much work is it for you i guess for the whole program you guys are a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. uh I'm, I'm reminded of uh like college presidents and how much work they do just in fundraising you know we think they're sitting around writing books and teaching or something but they're fundraising all Mm -hmm. the time because they have to Mm -hmm. uh is it it similar how much uh, you know how difficult is it how much time do you spend uh raising awareness so that you can get the funding for Mm -hmm. what you do right it goes hand in hand right Mm -hmm. raising awareness and then raising hopefully raising money as well we spend a lot of time raising money. We spend a lot of time writing grants. Uh, we have a million and a half dollar budget mm. each year. Um, so it's a lot of a lot of grants and a lot of but we're again really fortunate that our community has been supportive of, of our work and and they see the need for the work that we're doing and we're actually saving taxpayer dollars when we keep a mother in the community instead of sending them to prison. So uh, but yeah, we're always always raising money, <laughs> always looking for other uh, new sources of funding, and we're currently actually pursuing some state and federal funding as well. Because to date, we don't have any state or federal funding. Okay. Now, with your program, are we a lot of nonprofits I talk to? Uh, t- they talk about the need for space and the need for beds. Um, is that something that would factor into your program? I guess uh, how many. How many women uh, are going to, you know, after this graduation goes through, how many women are going to start the program? And do you have a need for bed space? I, mm-hmm. I know I'm using the wrong term, but space, yeah. what does space look like? <laughs> how many people so, can enroll, I guess is what I'm so saying. So we have um, the funding to serve 50 women okay. at any given time. And we don't have beds because we aren't a an inpatient yeah. facility. We're an outpatient facility. Um, so we um, have the funding capacity to serve 50. We are probably right at 48, 49 right now. We'll have um, actually our smallest graduation class this next week on Thursday. We will have uh, four women graduate. So we'll have some additional openings and we can take those women whenever they're uh, referred. We don't have to wait for a cohort of of, or a group to come in at the same time. Mm -hmm. So um, we'll be able to take new referrals. Yeah. You know, any any time yeah. really is it uh, are they always dealing with drugs or is it uh is it just alcohol Can it's it both alcohol? really yeah. probably mostly i would say 75 80 percent drugs and um maybe 20 percent alcohol and sometimes both mm-hmm. you know yeah kind of goes hand in hand at sometimes what kind of drugs are you seeing out there you know we see a lot of meth Yep. Uh, we see a lot of uh, marijuana. Uh, we see a lot of op- opioids um, is is on the rise. Opioid use is on the rise, as well as you know new um, innovative kind of treatments for those drugs. Uh, medicated assistance for treatment of um, drug abuse, opioid addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is there a uh, do some of them need detox in the mm-hmm. traditional? sense of the word sometimes they do and we 
uh, you know, if we assess a need for that, we they do that before they enter our program. Mm. Some of them will go to a 30 or 90, 60 or 90 day treatment facility before coming to us. Okay. And some may just need to do like a five or 10 day detox okay. before coming to us. So we just want to make sure they're safe and they're, yeah. you know, ready to start that mm-hmm. process. Now, they don't try to trick you and use those five days in detox towards their remerge program, do they? No. Like, like Usually good time, no. like prison? <laughs> yeah. Usually not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd mentioned, because um, uh, I know the personality types, you know, they, oh, I'm going to breeze through this. I'm going to do this quicker than anybody else. Um, but are, are there those who don't want to leave? They kind of mm-hmm. milk it, do this as long as I can. You know, I, I wouldn't necessarily, yes, there are those that don't want to leave or they're fearful of leaving. And we actually see that as kind of a healthy mm. uh, characteristic. I don't think that anyone necessarily takes advantage of the program that we offer, but I do think that, that it's kind of frightening to have had the support and the accountability and the camaraderie for a year and a half, two years, and then all of a sudden think, wow, I don't have to call in every day. I don't have to drug test every week. I don't have to, um, you know, show up and, and, and be accountable to my sisters in recovery. Um, we talk a lot about, about that before they graduate and, mm. and help them prepare for, for that transition. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's huge. <laughs> You know. I would be a milker. I'd be like, no, I don't want to leave. <laughs> Hang it out. <laughs> we would be on to you, Josh. We would be on to you. <laughs> uh, now, I know there could be some debate about this, but um, is is there a working theory that Remerge has as far as a, a woman is going to – she's graduating. Uh, has she been told in Remerge, you got to quit cold turkey? Has she been told – uh, you might be able to socially drink. It, how do those topics uh, come up? Do you guys have a firm line? Mm-hmm. If you don't want to answer that, that's fine. <laughs> no, no, I, I would love to. Um, and again, um, it's very individualized, yeah. you know, and we do talk about those things, those actually triggers. We, we call them triggers or mm-hmm. um, gateway drugs to um, leading to other behaviors that might be more serious or illegal. Yeah. Um, for some people, um, maybe they're able to have an occasional glass of wine or um, a little bit of alcohol. For others, they know and they've learned uh, from past behavior that that leads to, you know, lowered inhibition and and an increase in the likelihood that they will use um, illegal drugs. Yeah. So we really try to to help them get to know themselves and know. Uh, you know what's safe for them to do and what's not yeah you know um (laughs) i've been i've been trying to get back in shape and i've got this competition with a buddy of mine here in the newsroom we've been doing this since july that's why i didn't recognize you oh thank you i appreciate that i haven't seen you for a while but i can tell yeah thanks and uh so now we're doing uh this is going to sound lame everybody but we're doing a sober october so no drinking in October. Mm-hmm. Now, just for myself, I did a dry July. I make these things up. Yeah. I did a soberary the first time because it was the shortest month of the year. I figured I could do 28 days and still call it a month, not drink. <laughs> um, but here's what happens is, uh, like, the other night, another bro invited me down to the bar. And he's like, come on, you know, don't you, don't you, don't you just want to have some fun? And I'm thinking, I know myself. It's not going to be a beer. It's going to be a bunch of drinks. And then maybe after that, I'm hitting Taco Bell right afterwards. <laughs> and I'm going to wake up the next day regretting it. I'm going to feel guilty. And then I'm going to try to help that guilt by getting uh, some more Taco Bell. <laughs> and I'm going to lose all these uh, gains that I've had. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and I mess up all the time. But uh, is that, um, you talked about the triggers and stuff. Um, how, how important is, is the people to for those for those women to to understand that that hey this is a a real issue it's not some uh thing out there in the ether this Mm -hmm. is your pattern your mood will lead to this you'll do this decision then you'll do that Mm -hmm. how how, uh how important is that to kind of drill that into their Mm -hmm. into their heads it's real important you know and one of the things i heard you say is that you know yourself you know what's going to happen if you do that and it's going to blow your your 
mm-hmm. sober October, yeah. if you will. That's and what we call it. We call it blowing each other up. Right. Like, you're trying to blow me you, up. <laughs> you know, so we do. We talk a lot about that and, and how, you know, um, how they're in charge of their choices and they need to be aware that, that this choice leads to, could lead to other behaviors that could get them in trouble and maybe even another charge, mm-hmm. you know, another drug charge or another possession charge. So we talk a lot about it um, and it's a lifelong even, you know, for those of us trying to lose a few pounds or not drink for 30 days, it's a it's a lifelong journey to, to really know who you are and, and to, you know, reinforce those behaviors that, that are positive and, and lead to, to good things rather than mm-hmm. negative yeah. consequences. Yeah, it's amazing. You, 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 uh, or I, you know, when I happen to do the right thing for a few days, and then uh, I'm like, man, I really want to hang out with my friends down at the bar. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. <laughs> and man, I really want that food, you know, this, that, and the other. But then a week or two goes by, and the scale goes down, and you go, okay, that was yeah. worth it, yeah. you know, for those that those few days of pain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it was worth it. Um, All right. So for our, you know, when you think about then that applying those kinds of thoughts to the women that in Remarge, you know, the benefits they get from staying clean and sober is they get their charges dismissed when they mm-hmm. graduate, which is huge. Wow. Yeah. And they get their kids back. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we know their kids are motivating factors for our moms. And that we, when we remind them, you know, you came into this program without your children mm-hmm. and you have your children back. And so that's a precious um, gift that you have. And it's you're giving your kids a gift every day when you're clean and sober and staying healthy mm-hmm. and you know we, we always remind our moms the best gift you can give your kids is a happy healthy sober mom mm-hmm. um, so that your kids don't have to also um, follow in those footsteps worry about you mm-hmm. so the 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 motivating factors whether it's you know seeing that scale go down or or seeing your kids waking up every morning and you know with at home with your kids and getting them ready for school. Yeah. Those are precious gifts that we talk a lot about in the program. Yeah. And Boy, help. it's – I tell you, I, I was uh, talking to the other night. We're having a discussion kind of along these lines about these choices and stuff, and I go, God, you know, the easy way to do things seems hard, and then the hard way of doing things – seems easy and it's it's like all in the result and i always take it back to my awful golf swing <laughs> i i get in this pattern where i have this hook and i'm always hitting the ball far off to the left and i know what i'm doing but the the feel of that swing feels natural and but what i'm doing naturally is leading to all these bad results so if i just went back to what was correct even though it didn't feel good, the results would be good. I don't know. I'm always taking stuff back to sports analogies, I guess. But uh, I, I, I've just noticed that in, in people in my life, it's uh, there, there's a certain comfort in misery, you know, because it's familiar. Mm-hmm. And the normalcy is is scary. There's not a question there. I'm just – No, I, I – It's my therapy sessions in the, in the podcast. <laughs> I think the key word there is familiar. Yeah. And I think that that's – um, so important to realize that many of the women who come to us are familiar with a lifestyle of using, being in trouble, you know, not doing things that um, uh, that we might classify as the right thing, you mm-hmm. know, but doing what they've seen, what they're familiar with. So it takes a minute to change those uh, familiar behaviors and yeah. and for recovery. To, to become familiar, for choosing to be around healthy people to become familiar, and um, realizing that you can have your kids in your life forever for that to be mm-hmm. a reality. Yeah, yeah. And it, and we're asking these mothers to make major changes in their lives. You know, mm-hmm. pick new friends. Yeah. Um, <laughs> go to work every day. Keep a job. Yeah. Um, you know, live in a different neighborhood. Um, and it takes time yeah. to do those things. Do how, how do they cope with uh, friends who don't want them to succeed? And I think this is common, you know, among teenagers and early, you know, young adults. 
it's like, hey, man, if you're not at the party, we don't want to hang out with you. You know, if you're not drinking, we don't want to be with you. Or even the reverse of that, oh, you think you're too good for us, you don't want to. You know, how do they start absorbing that and kind of walking through some of those relationships that are just not going to be there anymore? Peer pressure is a real deal. Yeah. It, I mean, all the no way through life, right? how old you are. Yeah. Even, you know, you were talking about your friends want you to come yeah. <laughs> hang out uh, at the bar and they know that you're doing yeah. sober October. <laughs> so peer pressure is a real deal all, yeah. forever. And it's especially important that we talk about it in the Remerge program that we um, give them tools and skills to set those healthy boundaries with, with people. doesn't mean you aren't friends with them. It means you, you like yourself better than your, your friends. Mm-hmm. You know, you like your kids better than your friends. You like your new lifestyle better than your friends. Um, mm-hmm. And so we talk a lot about it, and often they'll, you know, fail a few times at, at being successful at that. But once they... Again, once that becomes familiar with saying no, I I can't I can't go do that with you, mm-hmm. or no, you don't. I want different things from my life. Mm-hmm. Then it, it gets easier, you know, when they practice that and 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 learn that there are positive mm-hmm. outcomes to to those kinds of boundaries. Yeah. So we talk a lot about that. You know, what my trick is is I just start blocking numbers when I'm not in the mood. <laughs> just block that number. I might unblock it mm-hmm. at some point. But it's going to be blocked because I don't even want to hear it. Oh, so. right. No. And, and that's – we talk about – you don't have to answer that phone call. Yeah, you don't have to answer it. Yeah. It's funny that you mention blocking numbers. We forbid the women to have a social media Facebook account for the first, mm, I don't know, few months of the program yeah. because they need to break those ties with those unhealthy Mm-hmm. Um, friends that they've had in the past, and so once they are um, have demonstrated, you know, some skills and and the ability to set better limits, we we will allow them to um, be back on social media and choose the friends that they want. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's all really related. I think social media sometimes is um, not a healthy thing for any of us, but. No. But it can sometimes lead to connection with those old people, places, and things that mm-hmm. will get you in trouble. Yeah. i tell you what, I've had a couple of old girlfriends try to hit me up on that Facebook when I was on there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm off now. I'm off. I've had enough of Facebook. I'm done. I'm only on Twitter because of work. I haven't tweeted in months either. So, yeah. Whenever uh, this is a this is a pro trick for guys. Old girlfriend uh, hits you up on Facebook, and, it, and the message just says, hey, you. That's not going to go well. Just, uh, <laughs> just don't answer it, it man. <laughs> um, so for families uh, of uh, addicts, and I guess I'm not talking about the hardened uh, families of veteran addicts, but for people that might be dealing with this for the first couple of rounds, of, oh, gosh, you got to get this person some help. Um, what are some things that uh, they need to know about the situation and about the loved one and what they're dealing with and what the recovery might look like? Mm-hmm. Um, I think probably the most important thing is to recognize that it's a personal journey for the individual and that you can't force them to be ready. You can't do it for them. You have to set really healthy boundaries yourself as a family member so that they see you modeling those those behaviors, those boundaries. Um Many of our f- our women have family members who've actually enabled them to be to stay, you know, uh, using or stay um, in an unhealthy um, relationship or environment. Um, and they don't know that they're doing that. They don't mm-hmm. intentionally do that. So we um, offer family counseling. We uh, we encourage our family members to attend uh, an eight week. Uh, education series that Chance to Change offers mm-hmm. in the community. It's free. Mm-hmm. I think everybody should should do it. Mm-hmm. Um, to get on their website, Chance to Change is an, an amazing organization here in the community that offers uh, mental health and addictions uh, treatment for um, mm-hmm. individuals and family members. So just being educated and, you know, is, is helpful and, and, and it helps um, family members that are struggling, I think, with with daughters, sons, you know, 
sisters yeah who are who are in addiction yeah all right so the holidays are coming up and uh you know we got thanksgiving it's around the corner uh let's say i've got a relative who's in recovery does that mean that at the Thanksgiving party I can't drink because that person is going to have a meltdown? Why can I not have my fun because this guy can't or she can't handle her booze or mm-hmm. whatever, you know? Do we all have to teetotal around them? Caveat, if I'm a loving person, I'm not going to do that around that person. Perhaps. However, or yeah. Perhaps. But I do think that it's important to check with, with the individual. Yeah. You know, is this, is this going to be a problem? Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe even ahead of time. You know, would you prefer that we not have any alcohol at Thanksgiving? Yeah. If so, maybe you can respect that boundary. Mm-hmm. Um, some people might be okay if they've been in recovery for a while to, to be around some, some you know, social drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really just depends on the, on the, on the individual. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say if you know someone's new in recovery and you know that that, that could be a problem to, to be respectful of that and mm-hmm. – um, but I always like to ask. I mean, yeah. everyone's different. Right, it's courtesy. See, yeah. in my family, I know what we would do. Uh, we would say something like, uh, oh, so you controlled our family through your destructive habits for 20 years. Oh, now you're sober. Now you're going to control whether or not we can uh, drink at Thanksgiving, huh? Okay. No, it's not working. <laughs> so, yes, some families are angry about all of that. <laughs> Go to a meeting on Thanksgiving, bro. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. <laughs> my, uh, my dad told the story I'd, I'd mentioned previously, and I, I'd done this podcast where I talked about some of the, the things I went through uh, when I was a kid with my family and stuff, so it's it's no secret. But uh, uh, my dad has a story about there was a sponsor, a sponsor, uh, in the AA program he was in who had been sober for, I think it was 20 or 25 years. And he decided around his anniversary, ah, oh, you know, just going to go out and have a drink. And he ended up in the hospital. Mm. <laughs> It just yeah. went crazy with it. Mm-hmm. I am I am stunned in life about how one decision can bad night or one decision can just change the trajectory mm-hmm. of your life. Mm-hmm. You know, it is scary. It I try not scary. to dwell on it too much, right, <laughs> but it is, it is scary. scary. Yeah. But also, r- a reminder that one decision, one bad decision, shouldn't define yeah. your whole identity and your whole future. Yeah, you know, and many times um, in Oklahoma, at least, that's. That's what we do. Yeah. We, uh, we define someone by their absolute worst day, mm-hmm. um, their, their worst um, decision, and that's really not, not mm-hmm. fair. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's get to some business stuff. Got any uh, capital uh, programs going on right now? Any fundraisers? Any uh, building projects going on? Funny you should ask. <laughs> We are so excited to be moving into a new new building. Uh, we're in no, mid-November. We'll be moving into a, a new uh, home. We've um, been at home on 11th and Hudson for eight years. I'm calling dibs on that story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would love to to show you around. It's, right. uh, we have about 8,000 square feet where we are now, and in the new space we'll have 19,000 square feet. It was really uh, designed... Uh, specifically for our program and our the needs of our our mothers and the needs of our children uh, it's going to be a beautiful uh, home n- next to positive tomorrows which is um, Oklahoma City's only uh, school for homeless children here in the in the metro and they also have a new campus uh, many of our mothers send their children to positive tomorrows because yeah. they are kind of in transitional living and mm-hmm. and so uh, be great to partner with more with Positive Tomorrows as well as North Care on the same campus. Mm-hmm. So um, it'll increase our capacity to serve an additional 25 families. Nice. So it'll be it'll be amazing. We are um, closing out our capital campaign um, in a couple of months. We're almost almost mm-hmm. re- we've almost reached our goal. We okay. have about a hundred thousand left to raise, and oh, would okay. love additional support if anyone gonna, feels inclined. I was going to say, if you're close, you don't need any more help. Right? <laughs> you're, you're all good. <laughs> we would love, someone shared earlier that that last hundred thousand dollars is the most difficult, and that and we are learning that. Like them that ten pounds. To, yeah, that's to be the case, right? The last five <laughs> yeah. pounds you have to lose, or whatever. But but we're really close, and we've had a lot of. Support from the community so yeah we're thrilled yeah. about our new our new home yeah that's great stuff now do you do you feel like you're working 24 7 i mean i would imagine these are kind of like kind of like your kids in a sense I, if i were in your position i'd be worried all the time you know mm-hmm. did so-and-so escape are they out doing this that or the mm-hmm. other that kind of a thing 
or how just how are people doing? You got to have a lot on your mind, you know. There, you know, our staff is amazing. We have a staff right now of seventeen folks, um, as well as partners on site, Department of Corrections, full time probation and parole officer, legal aid attorney, um, workforce, Oklahoma full time person. So I think we all share in you know, cheering these ladies on and wanting them to be successful and knowing um, that at the end of the day that we really don't have control over yeah. over that, um, that we can offer, again, the best program, which I think we do. Um, but if, if the women don't do the work, then um, – so I think learning that, you know, you're not in control of other people's behaviors. We can only control who we are and what, what we do ourselves – is helpful. Um, I mean, of course, we get to know them and we we hope the best for them and we worry about them and we cheer them on when they are successful and we're sad when they aren't. Mm-hmm. But um, people that do this work have to learn that it, it's not uh, you can't take that personal. You can't take it home with you. If you if you do, then you, you can't do the work very successfully mm. or or for long term, yeah. you know, time. So. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting work. It's hard work. It's good work. Uh, very fulfilling work. Um, and we hope that even if someone fails the program, we have planted some seeds, and we've made a bit of a difference in with the time that they've been with us. That that perhaps at a later time they will remember something or come back and try again. Mm-hmm. So I think those are all just sort of self-preservation kinds of <laughs> thoughts that we have but but i believe they're they're true as well yeah so. yeah all right where can people uh donate or call or uh so you're at uh, remergeok.org that's our website that's really the best way to to donate uh, all of our contact information is on our website yes. as well as information about our new building capital campaign still going on um and you know uh, other volunteer opportunities as well. We have a need for GED tutors. Um, the women are required to get their GED minimum before they graduate. So we always have a need for people to to come in and and help tutor some of our moms. Um, we have a program called Celebrating Families that we do with moms and and children. We always have a need for additional help in the children's classrooms. So there's several opportunities to volunteer. Mm-hmm. We would love to um, add everyone to our mailing list and get everyone to get our graduation. Get on it. You know what I love about your website? One of my favorite parts of it is the photos of all the contacts on there. Oh, you know great. How, how yeah. hard it is even for a <laughs> seasoned journalist to get contacts. And uh, I think people hide that stuff on purpose. Well, some some groups do anyway. But uh you guys are great. You had all the people well, listed on there and the photos thank and the emails. You. and Yeah. We want, even, yeah. We, we want people to reach out and learn about what we do. And I've always felt like part of our responsibility in the community was to – has been to really educate people about addiction and not just about our program because it's a community – it's a community issue. It's not mm-hmm. just it's not just about remarge. It's about our community and our family and our and our future. Mm-hmm. I, oh, you know what? One more thing, kind of on that note. Are there any volunteer opportunities with mm-hmm. uh, with uh, remarge? Mm-hmm. GED tutoring, uh, help in the classroom with kiddos. Um, um, yeah. Okay. Some more things that we have an Amazon wish list on our oh. on our website as well. Okay. So if someone wants to just um, order some supplies or help mm-hmm. us out in that way that would be great okay yeah now the uh on-campus stuff uh for the volunteers is it strictly women volunteers or how does that work i mean i don't want to get all weird here but i, w- yeah, I want to be careful right. too mostly mostly uh, uh women yeah for obvious reasons yeah. but we uh ged tutoring could be you know m- men uh males could could do that we we also uh, volunteers in the children's classrooms will always have a, a qualified staff person with the volunteers so that could also work okay yeah. great stuff terry woodland remerge at uh remerge okay.org <laughs> thank you josh <laughs> great having you here thank you
Hey, if you enjoyed this episode of the United States of Oklahoma, please subscribe on your favorite podcast publishing platform, Triple P, man, and share with your friends. And if you want to keep up with the latest news in Oklahoma, pick up a digital subscription at Oklahoman.com, where you will get unparalleled coverage of Sooner State politics, sports, breaking news, business, crime and courts, food, music, religion, and a whole lot more, including some of the best photojournalism around. All for $9.99 a month.